Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. Uh, and as we always do, we will bring you some uh, recommendations this week before we get to uh, the main film that we will be discussing today, which is The Gleaners and I. Um, Ian, do you mind if I go first? Oh, please do. Um, so I wanted to recommend a doc, and I, I watched one um, in anticipation uh, that I'd heard of before and I was interested in. I, I watched When We Were Kings, the... Um, uh, Leo Gas documentary, or Leon Gas documentary about the uh, the rumble in the jungle, the fight between uh, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. I I I did like it, um, and I I really wanted that to be my recommendation, but I I could understand it. People not really wanting to gravitate towards that. So um, I'm I'm actually going to pick something else. Melissa had never seen this movie, and um, I was really excited to watch it. So uh, I don't know if I've mentioned to you there's this youtube channel called cinefix and they do a bunch of different videos and they do a bunch of cool shit that i really like and they usually do these top 10 lists every once in a while and uh recently they haven't been putting so many out but they did just upload one maybe about a week ago the top 10 feel good movies of all time and i was like oh this will be this will be an interesting list to see what they put on there and somewhere right in the middle of their of their 10 films was remember the titans and I got all giddy when it came on because that movie was so – I watched that so much when I was in, like, middle school and in high school. And uh, we were watching that list, and Melissa said she had never seen it. And I, like – I think I audibly gasped. I was I was shocked and also offended that she had never seen this movie. Um, and so – we decided that the next night we were going to watch it. And for any of you who haven't seen Remember the Titans, this is the um, Denzel Washington, Will Patton-led movie about um, uh, segregation in the 70s in Virginia and um, these two high schools coming together. They were integrating, and uh, it was the only football team in the district that was having uh, blacks and whites play on the same team. Um, It's a Disney-produced film, so uh, it does tend to overly tug at the heartstrings and i could see why um it actually didn't get great reviews when it came out but i think for the for those of us who this movie worked on it worked on hard and i have found that over the years actually it works on me harder um uh, i really i really like what they do with um the relationship between Denzel and and Will Patton and how they change over the course of the film. And obviously um, there's the, the two main uh, football players that we kind of follow through. I'm trying to remember their names in the movie. Um, uh, Avon Barksdale from the wire is one of them. And then I don't know who the, the white guy is, but uh, they, they start off not liking each other. And then they, the budding friendship grows and you see that the trials and tribulations that the team goes through, that individuals go through and, you know, this is one of those movies that I, I, I'm surprised that I like so much. As much as I rail against movies that have like where the message is just being screamed at you in a way, and where the music just comes in at the right time, I don't know. For whatever reason, I, I, and I think maybe what it is is it's it's Denzel, 
And it's a surprisingly like underappreciated performance from Will Patton. Will Patton, man, I I fucking love me some Will Patton. He is I think he is great in like everything even in his small little bit parts in like gone in 60 seconds it's his story his storyline armageddon is the one that makes me cry every time i watch that movie no joke i armageddon will will leave me in a ball of tears but it's not the fucking bruce willis ben affleck shit it's will Patton's storyline so anyways um remember remember the titans uh i think it's 99 or 2000 it's a great football movie. It's a great movie about race and and um, you know, and and I. It's really kind of crazy that the whole movie is about coming together and and accepting each other for who we are. And this is just coming days after. Um, I forget what his last name is, but um, that Ahmed gentleman was was shot, but because he was jogging in. Uh, I want to say I think it was in Atlanta by those two guys. And it's it's crazy that. In certain ways, we've come so far, and in other ways, we haven't. And I, I think what this movie really tries to say is that if we could just spend a little time with each other, I think the shit like this would stop. Um, so, in a way, I think the message still rings true of what it's trying to say, and I think it's well made. And and I don't know, it's it, I'm definitely sentimental to it, but I also, you know, watching it again with somebody who hadn't, Melissa loved it, so. My my very strong earnest recommendation for Remember the Titans this week. That's great. I uh, I saw Remember the Titans and I think Castaway, uh, kind of back to back in the same week. And this is like years after the fact. Like I only saw them in maybe like 2012 or 2013. And I I there was a lot that I appreciate. I definitely preferred Remember the Titans over Castaway. Um, oh, I'm glad to hear but- that. Yeah, but I but I was also a little frustrated. I think with Remember the Titans, like I I appreciated the message. I love Denzel in it. I love a lot of the the younger performers, but the singing, man, I just the random bursting into song in the locker rooms. I was no, nah, I'm done with this shit. Uh, please stop. Please stop. Tell someone. Someone just. I love Ethan Suple. Love the guy. I I I'm always happy when I see him in a movie. But dude, stop. Please stop. Yeah, and there are, and this this movie is by no, or yeah, the movie is by no means a perfect film. There are moments like that that we probably could could cut. I, now there there was a moment um, when they're coming back from camp where they're all on the bus and they're trying, you know, the the buses are mixed now and um, they, they've all they're getting along and they're trying to basically teach what one of the white guys to clap on rhythm and like that's a funny like they're just kind of doing it on the bus and there's something jovial about that but yeah the, the moment in the locker room is a bit it's a bit forced I, I would agree but it's it's one of those like little omissions that I just kind of I pretend it doesn't happen or like I'm too busy because it's ain't no mountain high enough and I'm like oh I like that song I don't mind this <laughs> well, I get it. That's that's awesome that you two were able to to share that little bit of nostalgia together. Oh, big time, big time. And I and of course I liked I liked that she liked it too, which which makes it better because she could have not liked it, and then I would have been like, well, I fucking ruined that night, didn't I? So. Oh, oh, I don't know. I I see that as totally being a, a Melissa movie. Yeah, no, she yeah she she liked it. Anyways, yeah, remember the Titans. My recommendation. Ian, what do you have for us? So I do have a documentary, a fairly recent one from 2018. It was put out very deliberately at that time to coincide with the 
100th anniversary of the end of World War One, and I think you and I have talked about it a little bit off mic uh, ages ago, but I, I saw it on HBO, and then I, I bought it because it was on sale, I picked it up again and watched it again and had the same just gut-punch, visceral reaction to it, and that is Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, which is... I I mean, I love me a good war documentary, I love me a good classic sort of war film, stuff like Guns of the Navarone and Great Escape, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated with that period of history, both World War One and World War Two. but I have never, not since, I don't know, the, the easy comparison, probably Saving Private Ryan, or, or actually even more recently with 1917, uh, it's, it's very rare that I find myself feeling like I'm in it, or, or, the, the great thing that happens in that movie where we go from black and white to color, I, I felt like I, it was in my living room. Like, it really is one of the most immersive, almost very, very personal experience. So it just, it, it follows, uh, doesn't follow anybody specifically or any one platoon, but they had... A uh, hundred hours of documentary footage from the time, and they had over six hundred hours of audio. And what they did is they they went back and they colorized it, and they uh, synced sound to it. The thing that amazes me is that they were able to track down exactly who these people were in this footage, find out where they were from, and then get an actor from that region to sync dialogue because they had had uh, professional lip readers. Uh, figuring out what it was they were saying, even to the point where they had a moment where they couldn't, even with all these experts, and they were even actually able to track down uh, what the piece of paper was that this guy was reading from. So, I mean, this the level of detail in this thing is spectacular. I mean, I cannot recommend this documentary highly enough. It just is, like I said, a, a real gut punch. And it's um, some of the, the details. I mean, they even talk about some of the guys, you know, going to to brothels in France. I mean, it gets really personal, and the end of it just absolutely breaks my heart when they talk about coming back and they see just how, even in, in the days after, how quickly people moved on. I mean, one of the final lines is a guy going back to work, and he's, you know, talking to one of his old uh, co-workers, and the co-worker says, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Have you been on nights or something? And just, oh man, just the sacrifice that these guys made and the the sort of willful ignorance of family and friends and co-workers at home just slayed me. So, utterly amazing documentary. I, I'm really not somebody who's all gung-ho for colorizing things, but I think Peter Jackson and, and his company did something utterly extraordinary with it. You really feel like you are there in the trenches with these guys. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident you mentioned this on our our, our only other uh, film that we've covered that's a documentary on the Thin Blue Line. We were I think we were just sort of uh, you know spouting off just documentaries that stick with us, and I I I know that that came out. I know that that was one that you had mentioned. Yeah, at at the time I hadn't seen it, but I think we were talking about documentaries that we hadn't seen that you know were on our radar, and this was very much at the top of that that list. And I think I did see it fairly fairly soon after we had finished Thin Blue Line, but like I said, even on even on a second viewing, and I'm sure on a third or a fourth, the the uh 
the intensity of it is not going to be lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Awesome. So there we go. We got Remember the Titans and They Shall Not Grow Old. Those are our recommendations this week. Uh, so now I think it's time to launch into uh, the topic that will be, or the film that we'll be discussing today, and that is Agnes Varda's 2000 documentary, The Gleaners and I. Um, We're going to head on down to Varda Town. Boom. We are on our way. Um, Agnes Varda does have a few other uh, documentaries in the book. Um, they are Cleo from 5 to 7 from 1962, The Young Girls of Rochefort in 1967, and Vagabond from 1985. Um, so, in terms of accolades, so it won Best Documentary at, uh, at uh, the LA Film Critics Association and the New York Film Critics Circle, uh, both gave it Best Documentary. Um, it was not even nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars. Um, that went to a movie called Into the Arms of Strangers, Stories of the Kinder Transport, which um, uh, apparently is a movie about um, uh, the kinder, kinder Transport saving uh, a bunch of Jewish children from Nazi Germany and Austria, um, which, again, sound, it sounds important. I, I've not seen it, so I'm not going to know. Um, I just think in hindsight, it's it's really interesting that to, to sort of see that this movie uh, didn't get an Oscar nomination um, because it has it is on so many lists of important movies of the century so far. Um, now, did you find I'm assuming you saw the one for The New York Times? Uh, I didn't see the one for The New York Times. I did notice that it's on one of the most batshit crazy lists that I have have gone over. I, have you looked at the BBC's? 2016 100 best of the century so far because if you haven't that list is it's insane like we could so, do a couple of episodes about that just batshit crazy <laughs> list so i did i did see that i i do know that uh from that list it was ranked uh 99 um the top 10 no it's like but i look at the top 10 and i'm not like mad about it um do you want to do you want to crank those off, or do you, do you have them? Well, I I just have the top five. So if you have the top ten, yeah, please go ahead and, and count them down. Well, for here us. I'll do I'll I'll do ten through six. Uh, uh, number ten is No Country for Old Men. Uh, great great movie. Um, number nine, A Separation, which I have heard of. I know it was kind of a big deal. I believe that was made in was it Iran. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. Th that's yeah, that's a film from Iran. I think it was uh, is, is a female director as well. I think that was part of the big deal that there is there I, was a, a a female director from Iran making movies where women's rights are not exactly the best in the world. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. Um, number eight is Yee Yee, which I have seen, uh, also because it is also on the New York Times top twenty-five films of the century so far. That is a, a long movie that I probably need to watch again because I don't, as of the moment, think it deserves to be that high on either of those lists. Um, nine, eight, seven, uh, 10, 9, 8, 7 is The Tree of Life. And uh, number 6 is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, number 5 is Boyhood. Number 4 is Spirited Away, which we've covered on this show. 
Uh, number three Indeed. is There Will Be Blood, which is great. Love where There Will Be Blood. I think that's the, the best film of the century so far. Uh, In the Mood for Love, which I have not seen, but I hear is fantastic. And then number one is Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Um, so In the Mood for Love is another one that I need to watch again. Um, I will say, though, that that movie is filmed gorgeously. I believe that I believe. Oh, no. The name. It's. Uh, sh- oh, I'm so mad. I, I the, the name of the director just totally fell out of my head. Um, but yes, uh, it is gorgeously shot. Um, and yeah, now, that's, when you that's... look at that top 10, that doesn't sound too crazy, but when you start to get down into the nuts and bolts and some of the deep cuts on that list, it there are some choices that are really head-scratching. I mean, we don't we don't have the time to, to sit here and, and delve, you know, deep into the BBC's uh, madness in creating that list, but it, take a look at it for yourselves, and I think you'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> um so, uh, a sight and sound, uh, made a list in 2014 of the best documentaries ever made. Uh, the gleaners and I came in at number eight. Um, although I do want to take some time with the, uh, so the gleaners and I, cause this is the second time that I've watched it. And, uh, it came to my attention when, uh, the New York times did this top 25 films of the century so far back in 2017. Uh, the gleaners and I came in at number 18 on that list. Um, this is a list of movies that are all over the place. Um, some of which I, I still don't know really anything about. So I, I don't want to take a whole bunch of time, but I do, I do want to at least rattle them all off because I think even just starting off with number 25, if you have not seen this list, I think you're going to find this just crazy. (laughs) Okay. So number 25, the 40 year old virgin number 20. I, I, I what the fuck of the century so far this list yeah yeah yes yes and this is oh, for this is fuck's this is sake. this is Manola Dargis and AO Scott from the New York Times so just just so we know who who it is uh, yeah uh number 24 eternal sunshine of the spotless mind number 23 a movie called silent light which i i don't know anything about uh, number 22 is a movie that I know you like and I don't. Uh, I'm not there. Number 21 is Wendy and Lucy, which is a Kelly Reichardt film, which I've never seen. Uh, number 20 is Moonlight. Number 19 is Mad Max Fury Road. Number 18, like I said, is The Gleaners and I. Number 17 is a movie called Three Times, which I... I don't I've never heard of number 16 is a movie that I know you like more than me uh, that is Munich number 15 is uh, a movie called white material I believe that's a Claire Denis film number 14 is L'Enfant number 13 is in Jackson Heights which I, I I'm not quite sure number 12 is a movie called Timbuktu number 11 I think we both are uh, okay with inside Lewin Davis Number 10 is The Hurt Locker. Number 9 is a movie called Summer Hours, which I don't know. I know that there is a criterion of it, but I'm, I'm not sure what it's about. Number 8, another uh, from the uh, BBC list, Boyhood. Number 7, Inside Out, which I personally agree with. I, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> um, number 6. I got a, got a lot of respect that that made the list. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, number six is Yee Yee, again, coming from the other list. Number five, a movie called The D- 
Death of Dr. Lazarescu. No idea. Number four uh, is, I think, a Korean film called A Touch of Sin. Number three, you are going to fucking hate because we have mutually expressed, I don't know if it's disdain, but um, number three is Million Dollar Baby. Oh, get fucked. Yeah. Number three? Yeah. Number two also comes from that BBC list, uh, and we've covered it on the show. That would be Spirited Away. Now, I'm going to guess that number one is Mulholland Drive, but I if it's Elephant, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. No, no, no. Uh, technically, uh, what, what did you say your, your favorite film of the 21st century is so far? Uh, there Will Be Blood. That's, that's the number one. Oh, well, the way to redeem themselves after some... Some questionable choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sorry, we, I know we've just talked at length about lists and other movies, but I just, again, I, I think it's actually important, though, because um, I, I would say for all intents and purposes, The Gleaners and I is not a movie that was ever on my radar. Um, I don't, I, you know, as, as, as we do from time to time, flipping through a thousand and one movies you must see before you die, it never stood out to me. I probably read the title and was like, I don't know what that is. It just kind of kept going. It's not a movie that was ever on my radar until this New York Times list. And I was like, what the f- what the hell is this? Um, so then it, that's really how it became on my radar at all. Were you aware of this movie? Uh, it, it, I mean, I've I've been aware of, of Agnes Varda in a sort of like a, at one remove. Like I know of her and I know how well respected she is in a lot of communities and that she's also in that, that same group like Truffaut and, uh, excuse me, uh, Truffaut and, and Godard as, um, being instrumental in starting French new wave. But I, this is, this is my first Varda movie. Yeah. And it's still, yeah, it's still the only one I've seen, although I, I, I've, I have seen it twice. Um, do you have I'm any, really uh, interested in Cleo five to seven? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any critical uh, pieces that you want to read? I uh, I didn't find I didn't find a ton. I've I've got Roger Ebert's. I wasn't really planning on reading anything from it though because his review is more of a a sort of history of Agnes Varda and detailing some of the plot points of the film. It's not really uh, a criticism in any way, but he did give it four stars. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I read that review too. It, it was hard to pick from. I did find one from the Guardian. Um, I believe his name is. I'm, I'm going to pronounce it Zan Brooks. Um, he gave it three stars. Um, and I, I pulled out um, th- this paragraph because I think it, it it's, it, it kind of goes in hand in hand with what we were talking about of, of Varda kind of having this, this, um, this reputation and all this, these years of experience behind her. Um, so he said in younger, ruder hands, the gleaners and I would surely have wound up a far more abrasive affair touching as it does on the charged issue of direct action among a disenfranchised underclass, except that Varda shies decorously away from obvious political conclusions. Instead, her line of inquiry is gentle, curious, her role more that of a browser than a director. The tack pays off in a film that is that is at once airily freeform and oddly profound. Um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes right now has a critical score of 93% with an audience score of 86. And it is not on the IMDb top 250. Well, and in fact, the only the only trivia on IMDb is that it is in this book. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, not a lot to uh, 
to necessarily say about the like behind the scenes things of this movie. Um, and as as you know, describing a movie goes, um, it really is just Agnes Varda kind of starting with this this painting of gleaners and sort of looking uh, taking a look at I guess what what she calls urban gleaners those who um, still both glean um, after the harvest is done um, in the the farmland of of uh, France but also people who sort of glean at, at markets and and you know and then it kind of goes to uh, to as as called in the movie gypsies and and hobos who uh, you know glean um, from from uh, garbages and trashes and um, and just sort of following these people and and just really just taking a, a look into the, the lives of different different types of gleaners. Um, there really is no beginning, middle, or end. It's just kind of following these people and what they do. So straight out of the gate, I get to I get to to pull a bit of role reversal here, and I'm gonna just come right at this thing, no holds barred, and I'm gonna quote Adam here and ask the question. Whose fucking story are we telling? Um, I, I don't, I, my, my honest response to you is I don't know. I, I don't think we're supposed to follow any one person except, and I, here's what I will say. I think my biggest issue with this movie is Varda trying to be in it. And I realized Well, that- I mean, the title... The title is And I, so yeah, I'm okay with that, but no, please go ahead and, and continue. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, that's fine, I, I and I, I get that too, and I, it's, I guess I should be a little more specific. I don't mind that she comes from behind the camera at times, um, but I, I find, I find her physical involvement in the film, and, and basically all I mean by that is just when we see her or when she comes into the, the frame... It, it's the least interesting part of the movie. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, exactly. I don't... That's cool. When you're driving, you can put a circle around those big trucks and then squish them with your hand. That's awesome. I don't... I, it, it, the movie is, unfortunately, uh, I feel like, unfocused. Whenever it comes back to the different types of gleaners, right? Whenever whenever we're, you know, follow, see, like meeting somebody new who's doing a different type of, of gleaning, right? Like I, like I personally, I find the movie really interesting. I, I won't lie. I find it utterly fascinating that we start with, oh wow, people can still glean in the fields for potatoes after, after the harvest and like hearing how much food would, could potentially be wasted if these people didn't come and take it. I was like, that's, that's really interesting. And then hearing, um, hearing people who own vineyards be like, no, they can't take our grapes because if they take our grapes that are on the ground, who's to say they won't take them that are on the trees and like wanting to protect their business? And I was like, huh, that's interesting too. And now it's like, well, is the guy with the grapes, is is he greedy and selfish because he's not sharing or is he just really trying to protect his business? Is he any is he any less pious than the guy who's letting you take his potatoes? And and like, and that's just, those are just two examples. But I, just even with those, I was like, this is, I find this all really interesting. And I even liked the idea of those two lawyers sort of like explaining the, the, the laws around, around gleaning. I thought, oh, cool. That's, I even like, like, I'm, so here's somebody who knows their shit telling us what's, what's the rule or like, or what the loopholes are and stuff. 
but but anytime it was like I found a clock and it didn't have hands. No, I like it. And then it becomes a piece of a piece of art in her place and then she fucking like floats past it. I was like, nah, I'm out. I don't get it. I don't so, care. So if you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, I talked about Breathless being now on the list of the longest 90-minute movies I've ever seen. <laughs> this this has a place uh, even lower. So this movie's only 78 <laughs> minutes. This is the longest 78-minute movie I've ever seen. Would you agree that there's maybe a 40 to 45-minute movie in here? I mean, this should be a documentary <laughs> short with the footage that she's she's got that is relevant and interesting. Yes, I do think that somewhere in this film, as is, there's a movie that's just called The Gleaners, and it's, and and to it's, be honest, I'm I'm aware that there's a sequel, uh, you know, two years Gleaners and I two years later, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Maybe I'll watch this as well. Uh, maybe somebody picked up where she left off, and they go back and they interview these people, and maybe it's a more focused, uh documentary and then i saw it was directed by her and i went no no i'm not gonna watch that i'm sorry i feel like i don't want to speak ill of the dead i know she's only been been gone for just over a year she died last year unfortunately of cancer at the age of 90 but i feel like she's one of those filmmakers that people just are afraid to talk shit about like she's got this she's got this this place in film history and therefore you know we can't point out the defects, I mean, people do talk about the defects. It seems like people are willing to, to acknowledge how... Unf- I saw that in so many so much writing uh, on, on Wikipedia, and even in the 1001 movies you must see before you die, they talk about how unfocused the film is or how it's all over the map, but they don't seem to acknowledge that as a problem, which it just is baffling to me. You're talking about you know, a deficit in the film, but no, 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 it's by Varda. We can't, we can't talk shit. That kind of is the feeling that I get about this movie. We have, we go from one of the most beautiful sequences in the film where she's filming that family and the mother is singing while they're gleaning uh, from those, those old, uh, the, the abandoned vineyard. Yeah. And uh, the, her, the, the mother singing is beautiful. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And it shot so well, please let's, let's stay with this. But oh no, I, I didn't realize that while I was filming, uh, the lens cap was dangling. So we're going to have this jazzy, upbeat moment where we watch my lens cap dangle for literally 90 fucking seconds. I'm, I'm sorry, who the fuck gave you a camera and said, just, just go out in the world? This is, I was banging my head against a brick wall this entire well, film. Like, you didn't, you didn't film something interesting. You filmed a mistake. That's like J.J. Abrams with his fucking lens flare. No, 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 you made a mistake. That's not artistic. I think the the problem isn't who gave her a camera because I think the answer is obvious. She bought it. That's that that is even part of the that's even part of the film is that she has this new digital camera. the The problem isn't who bought the camera. The problem is is who decided to mass produce the film, because. And I it's tough because I really do find. I find, the the essence of this movie fascinating and and actually really um really uplifting i i I don't want to jump straight to the end but the last the last gentleman that we follow um who who uh kind of urban gleans from the markets and um 
you know, comes in early on the bus and, and, and gleans and then sells papers and then goes back and then is teaching people for free who can't speak f- French. Like, I, 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 I could have watched probably an entire documentary about this guy because... Thank you. That's... Absolutely. Because I, I just saw, like, what a, what a genuinely awesome human being this guy is. And, and like... And not just because of what he's doing, but also like, you know, he's not breaking any laws. You know, he's just he's he's eating what's what's left behind. He's he is he is getting by. And not only is he getting by, but he's also happening to do this this tremendously wonderful thing by trying to teach these people to to speak French. I was like, I just I there's just something so there's something like to want to attain from watching this guy that's that, that that like it's hard to totally shit on this movie because i'm so glad we got to meet some of the people that we did you know there's the um ah oh shit i'm never they don't really say the names in this movie but there's the one there's the kind of older black gentleman who is like staying with the slightly older like asian gentleman and uh and like yeah, when you uh, realize, uh, Sol- Solomon, I think his name was. Thank you. Yes, yes, Solomon. You're right. Um. Oh yeah, I got it right here. I finally got there. Like, and then this whole th- and like I also like how open the term of gleaning is. Right. That like, you know, that it, it kind of goes from gleaning to to salvaging and like you know them them getting refrigerators and fixing them and like, you know, again they're not breaking any laws. The these fridges were abandoned. They're taking them back. They're fixing them. And then they're 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 selling them or doing whatever with them, and it's like I, again, and I liked I liked the I liked the relationship between these two guys, and it's like, well, what's that story? And I mean, I get that we can't like the, we introduce so many people who are interesting that we can't get all of their stories, and I get that, and I I am I am truly appreciative of getting to meet them at all, but whenever we go back to her, I I just. I just don't care. Uh, no, exactly. I mean, I, and I would slightly disagree. We could get all of these people's stories, but we spend upwards of, I would conservatively estimate, 30 to 35 minutes on just bullshit. I mean, she she goes home after her first trip, and then she's talking about how she she has that crack in her ceiling and there's a bit of mold there and she loves it you know it's like that it should it's something that she wants to frame you know it's something so beautiful and and like no that's you've got black mold that's that's gonna kill you eventually (laughs) if you let that fester and then she talks about you know she's gleaning her souvenirs from the the time that she went to paris and i'm like okay so you have the money to go to paris but you don't have the money to fix that and then, you know, part two of, of my thought of that is, well, okay, so these people are gleaning, you're gleaning, I'm gleaning something, I guess, from watching this movie. Okay, so we're talking about the actual definition of the word gleaning and not these personal stories. How very fucking meta of you. Like, I, I just, fuck off. Well, and then, and then to circle... I'm sorry, I'm being, I'm being so cruel and so rude, and I don't mean to be, but it's just... This is one of the most frustrating experiences I've ever had watching a movie. It just it it festered in me and just pissed me off so much. Yeah, I I I I hear where you're coming from. Um, and I, but I want to circle back to um, 
to, you know, to a lot of the, the critical analysis of this film, both uh, in terms of, uh, you know, forgiving the, the haphazard sort of <laughs> a fucking um, hodgepodge nature of the documentary, but also this idea of just, oh, it's Agnes Varda, thus we have to like it. And I think it's, I think it's an Ebert's review. He was talking about like how she was married to Jacques Demy and how that was the house where they lived in and where his office was and where her office was and how he got to meet her. And I was thinking like, you're not even reviewing the film. You're talking about your, your quasi personal relationship with Agnes Varda. This did anybody really talk about the film? And you know, from it was hard to even narrow down to the one review I found because it, it all seemed to be this history of Agnes Varda, right? And people overlooking the the really low parts of this movie, um, and 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 it's sort of seeing the whole movie as good when the movie is, in my mind, is a lot of low parts and then a, a, a decent amount of high parts, and and that's I mean the like the fucking if you were to chart this there would be so many spikes up and spikes down of like interest being paid and like i just don't give a shit which is kind of crazy within within seconds of each other (laughs) again we get we get that very staged moment with the dude reading from the bible which he calls the the penal code talking about the history of gleaning in a in a much broader sense how it's you know if you're if you are a christian then this is something that you should believe as you know God's law or the word of God that that gleaning is something that is you know uh, it's it's a almost a basic human right to be able to do this and that I agree with I'm I'm so ashamed that you could you could never do something like that in this country I mean people would get shot for trespassing yeah uh, which is heartbreaking so I I love the I loved all the moments of the the sense of community but then, no, 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 let's not stay with that. I found some interesting-looking colored cabbages. I'm going to film these and put that in the movie for a minute. Like, this is... Somebody gave... Like, oh, man, I shouldn't. I, I won't. I won't. I won't disrespect her anymore. I'm, I'm sorry, but it just... Uh, I, I can't, man. I just... I can't with the lack of focus well, and, and the... I'm just going to call it unprofessionalism of this film. And, I and you know, I know that there are documentaries out there that really essentially are just a series of, of images over music. I, I haven't seen any of the Katsi trilogy. Um, I think there's also like Samsara and Baraka are also documentaries that are really just like, look at how lush and lovely and interesting the world is. There's no, there's no through line. It's just really great cinematography and like check out all this shit. And I think that that's, I've, I've never had the time to sit down and watch one. I believe at least a, few of those are in the book i think um so at some point you know yeah, i'm pretty sure koi koi Kotsi is in there and that is i mean it's a little fatiguing but it's pretty fascinating well yeah and i think at least not and not i don't want to downplay because i haven't seen it but at least there's more of a i know what i'm getting into with that movie this is i think it's on on the surface is supposed to be like a narrative documentary like look at look at these people there's a big there's, there's a storyline going on through here but it gets it gets so lost along the way with with Agnes Varda and and like I don't and and I I call this movie a hodgepodge earlier and I, I kind of want to backpedal just a little bit because I love the way that we jump from people to people 
that part I like. Like she goes to a different town. Here's a different person. We're talking about gleaning, you know, from like root vegetables, and then and it's not it's not gleaning if it's fruit. It's picking. I'm like, oh, that's I would never have thought of that, but that's interesting too. And then now we're now we're back into like the city, and we're now we're into into the trashes and. It's, I just, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And now we're not even talking about food. We're talking about electronics and what that means. Like I found all of that really cool. Um, and, and in a way, God, I don't even want to give her this much credit because it's so on the surface, but I like, <laughs> forgive me, everybody and our listeners for saying this. I get that Agnes Varda gleaned these people, right? That a lot of these people are the people rejected by society in a way that like, like that society came and scooped up all of the other people and here are some of the people who are quote unquote left behind and that she's giving these people the chance to be in front of the camera for a little bit. Which, that, which I love. And that yeah. that's the flip side of me being cynical and saying, Oh, how very meta of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, ex- exactly though. Yes. Yes. But it's, and so like in one way, <laughs> this film is, is is quite wonderful and quite endearing and I, I it's like i don't have enough good things to say about the things that are good but like the lows are so low and so boring and so pretentious like i i just was like what and that that i'm so glad you brought up the 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 fucking dancing lens cover because i was like this is not interesting you forgot to turn off your camera we are we're gonna acknowledge this well, it it made me it it made me so angry because that's I mean we went to high school together. You knew me when I was sixteen. That's the type of pretentious bullshit I would have done in in Carletti's multimedia class. <laughs> Shout out to Miss Carletti. Um, yep, fence. Still one of my favorite teachers ever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That class was that class was bomb. Um, and she let us get away with so much. That's true. That's very true. Um, so. So I want to do something a little well. Okay, I, do you have a favorite shot? Because if not, I want to do something a little different. Well, I I do really enjoy the the sequence with the the family, and I have oh god, I have their name here somewhere. Uh, the Nanon family, and she's in the the town of Apt, and that just I I her singing just bowled me over. I wasn't expecting to find something this beautiful in a film that was going off the rails so early. So that's I would say that that is my maybe not my favorite shot but my favorite moment in the movie. Yeah, I I I really uh, besides when we when we find out that the guy at the end of the movie is also teaching um people to speak French um which I is probably my favorite like my, my favorite part just like look at humanity can still be saved kind of moment. I really liked meeting the brick mason because I that shit was crazy. His his house slash like living sculpture thing was just nuts. Like the kind of thing that I, I like I would never I would never do. But I'm so like fascinated into people who do that kind of shit. Yeah, no, I loved that old couple. But again, it's another one of those. Please, let's stay with them for more than ninety seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the other moments that, and like I said at the top of the episode, whose story are we telling here? The the number of distractions. There's another one where she meets uh, the guy at the vineyard, who is a a pretty decent guy because he's sharing his crop, and then he's got the the museum, the the uh, Bouton, yeah, who is the the great grandson of Maury, who invented chronophotography. That's really really cool, but it 
it's a different movie. Yeah. And then she takes the time to stop looking at the photos and goes, I wonder who the boy in the bowler hat is. This is what I really wanted to get to. And we don't have to wrap up on this at all, but I think my, my thesis when it comes to my criticism about this film is that this is the very worst of what we see because of social media today. We get what we shouldn't get, which is every single thought that any one person could have at any time of the day. Like, I don't give a shit about that meal that you just took a picture of, or I don't, I don't need to know about some bullshit existential crisis that you're going through right now on Twitter. Like, fuck off. I'm not interested. Nobody needs to hear this. This stuff doesn't need to... Every single thought that tumbles through your dumb fucking head doesn't need to be shared with the rest of us. And that is more than half of this movie. Because I, I want I wanted something. She starts off so profound. She's talking about the waste, which just broke my heart. You know, the potato harvest, they harvest 4,500 pounds, uh, sorry, 4,500 tons, and 25 tons of that, on average, are wasted because of how uh, precise the... the the food industry no they've got yeah they've got to have a tomato the, the potato can't be too big it can't be cut it can't be this it can't be that that's important let's talk about this and really you know expose how flawed this system is but no i saw a heart-shaped potato so now i'm going to go searching for those and collect a bunch of heart-shaped potatoes yeah i i don't i don't know man i yeah it's t- it's tough because you know i'm 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 you know i'm looking through my notes and it's there's just a lot of a lot of like question marks of things that I'm like why is this in there but then there's like I think maybe the line of the movie which which um it's when we meet uh there's the one guy who we find out he lost his job because he was he was he was a truck driver and he was he was drunk and then like his wife left with his kids and he hasn't seen his family in two years. And he's, he's so matter of fact about it. And it, it, it's like, it kind of breaks my heart, but we follow him to, it's like, I think he's got to be like an, an, an alleyway of some grocery store and he's, he's getting stuff and he's explaining like, you know, like this, this food is still fine. And he says the line, we're not afraid to get our hands dirty. We can wash hands. And there was just something so <laughs> like, like both duh. And like, incredible about that at the same time because duh you can wash your hands but it's like but yeah but like it's okay like we can like my you know just because something is in the garbage doesn't mean that it's it's doesn't mean that it is garbage you know and if it's you if it's contained and it's and it's it's healthy and it's safe yeah so your hands get dirty but you know that's what soap is for that's what water i mean it's i just love the the openness and and honesty and generosity that this movie does try to put forward, even though it gets mixed in with just sheer pretentiousness. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and that's another thing that irritated me. I mean, yes, that guy says it, but it's also, I, I'm fascinated by the juxtaposition of, you know, just because this guy is a drunk driver doesn't mean that he doesn't have important things to say, you know what I mean? It's it, This film really, I think, exposed the cynic in me. I mean, I... I liked hearing from that guy, but the guy that I appreciated more was the guy with the rubber boots about halfway through the movie. He's a guy that does have a job, and he does have social security, and for 10 to 15 years, he has lived 100% on what 
people quote unquote say is trash. And he's got some, some really interesting things to say. Of course, at the end of his conversation, we have some slightly less interesting things to say. We have this, again, the juxtaposition of batshit crazy people do have intelligent things to say because he talks about the rubber boots make him a lord of this town <laughs> or some nonsense like that. But he he had a he was very I loved how impassioned and and spirited he was. And he talks about how our waste is it's unacceptable. It really is uh, is, is a this is a question of ethics yeah and he, it almost feels like he is a, a a vigilante of sorts like i'm gonna stick it to society by not you know paying for for anything i'm gonna be able to live 100 percent on trash and that i i really appreciated even though again so many things in this movie exposed the the cynic in me which i think i'm i'm you got some self-loathing about that I need to deal with that I may be un- unintentionally and, and mean-spiritedly pointing Varda's way. But that's 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 an existential crisis that I have to deal with. Yeah. And, that, well, and that's fair. That's fair. Um, so he, he, here's the thing. I don't have much more to say about this movie because it's it's really just two different films. It is a really interesting look at a bunch of random people in in France who in one way or another are gleaners in different in different ways and on the other side it's it's about how Agnes Varda I, I can't use her, her video camera um and and doesn't know how to edit and th- like that's that's it I, I don't you know and so I don't have a whole. I mean, we could we could talk about each person, but it's like I don't I don't want to do that. Oh no, neither do I. Do you even have an unsung hero? Uh, I mean, I guess literally the the last guy of the movie who you know keep doing the good work, buddy. I know this movie was made over twenty years ago, but I hope you're still doing what you're doing because you are kind of an inspiration. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you that I would have loved an entire documentary about him because this guy does have, you know, he talks about having a master's degree in biology. I mean, he is a, obviously a very well-read, very well-educated, very intelligent man. And immediately, like I said, the cynic in me well went, well, if you're good at something, never do it for free. But at the same time, man, you are you are an inspiration. This really is something to to strive towards and let's have a documentary about this guy because clearly he's got some sort of either asperger's or autism and i want to i want to know more about him i wanted to i was hope my hope was that we were going to get to follow him home and and to see what his home life was like and to to really delve into why he felt like what he was doing was important and of course we we don't get that because we've got to film cabbages and lens caps and fuck knows what else so is it is it question time oh yeah okay uh so ian do you think the gleaners and i should be in the book absolutely not okay fair enough uh, and and in and in fact i was you had seen this before so i got to the end of this thing and i was like you set me up like you knew what was coming, you fucker, you. You know what's and fun- that, that 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 passed. But, I, but I'm not I'm not legitimately angry at you. Maybe just a little. Okay, but hold on for one sec though. Before before we get your recommendation, 
here's I want to be totally honest about this because all I remembered from the movie, I, I, I quite honestly, I think were the lawyers who were talking about the penal code and, and gleaning and the last guy. I'm, I'm being totally honest. I knew I knew that it was all like handheld digital camera, but that's all I remembered. And so I just remember I think I'm I'm left with the idea of that guy instead of instead of remembering the whole movie, which is uh which is not indicative of the whole movie. No, no, I got you. I knew and you mentioned the lawyers, man. We didn't even talk about the the conflict with the kids, the kids living on the street and the uh the supermarket dousing their their garbage and bleach so they couldn't get to it. that that that's that's another movie. So when you say this is two movies, really there's like five or six movies in oh, here. Oh, well, I just because meant, that, that I didn't mean two movies. I just meant it's like on one side, there's all these interesting people that we meet and just get the little the little glimpse of their life, and then on the other side, it's Agnes Varda fumbling with her camera. Yeah, no, no, no. I I got you, but that that was another story. I'm like, no, let's stay with this. There is a a genuine conflict, and there is there nobody in this is either right or wrong. This is some real great gray area moral shit that we need to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we're, we're, we're delving back in when we're on our way out. <laughs> so do you, do you have a replacement? You know, like the Thin Blue Line, which didn't frustrate me as much as this, I think we, we went on quite a long diatribe about other documentaries that we loved, and honestly, I could, hit, I could throw a stone and hit 10 documentaries that are more deserving of being in the book and having this must-see status, but I did finally break down and watch something that I had been meaning to watch for a long time and I'd been really hesitant about because I, I had heard just how tough and challenging and and how it makes you question life choices. Um, and I yesterday I watched Food, Inc. Oh. And that is, man, that documentary is something else. Yeah, it really is. I, it really tore my heart out and shoved it in my face and went, look at this. Um, I, I love the, the story with the mom who lost her kids to E. coli and her six-year fight to get Kevin's Law uh, enacted, which you're right, the USDA and the FDA, they should be looking to protect us. They That should be, those are two companies or, or two organizations that we should have trust in and we should feel they have our back and they very clearly don't. Yeah. Um, I loved, oh, I had to get, I had to write this name, this guy's name down, uh, Joel Salatin, the guy that runs Polyface Farms, the guy that, at the moment that blew my mind as he talked about just how much the FDA was up his ass because they're, they, they have the sequence where they're showing you just exactly what they do to, to kill and prep the chickens. And he's like, they came out here and said that, you know, because we're doing this outside, we're we're violating this law and this law and it's not natural and it's unhygienic. I'm like, what what are you talking about? People have been doing this for thousands of years. This is the way that this is done instead of in a factory where it's getting exposed to tens of thousands of diseases. Yeah. Like this this documentary was was perfect. And I, I can't the the guy that directed it, Robert Kenner, I I cannot wait to see more of his stuff. Yeah, I I watched uh, I watched Food Inc. and then almost immediately afterward, I read um, I read Fast Food Nation and I read The Omnivore's Dilemma, uh, two two very very good books. Um, and yeah, I definitely went through a, a, a you know what where is our food coming from and 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 you know is it is it worth uh, you know 
your own like where do you where do you sit on your morals and is it is it can you and and people are gonna fall one way or the other people got to eat and people got to feed their families and that's another like yes but just you know you don't you, you can't be oblivious to what's going on you you've got to know like if you're gonna go get this whatever this food item is there's there's definitely a story behind where that came from Oh, the, the immigrant family, they, they broke my heart where they're talking about how they don't have enough money to pay for their dad's medication. And so they have to make that choice of, well, a thing of broccoli, a, a, a bushel of broccoli is $1.79 a pound, but I can go to Burger King and get a Whopper for the same price. And that there you go. That's it. One meal done. Don't have to worry about it. Like those kind of decisions. I mean, families shouldn't have to be forced to make those decisions. It's just, they shouldn't. Yeah. It's, it's not... It's not a question of morality. It's not a gray area. It's just, this should not happen ever. And there's a lot of documentaries. I mean, I've talked about Werner Herzog, where I think some of his documentaries, I think he's a great documentarian, but sometimes he he tries to to cram too much in there. And I think Food, Inc., some people would look at it and say uh, it might have that. The documentary does have a lot that it has to juggle, but I feel like it's very fair... And it's, it's, I mean, you can't say it's balanced because none of the companies wanted to talk to them, but at least they brought that up It's like, Hey, we reached out to Tyson and they didn't want to have anything to do with us. I mean, I feel like it is a, an excellent expose. And honestly, I thought the kind of expose that the gleaners and I was going to be when it started, it starts you down that path. Like you think this movie is going to say something important and ultimately it, it doesn't. Yeah. Not until the end, I think, with that that guy that we both agreed is the unsung hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's this is a tough decision because I think so much of what is in the movie is worth being seen. I think overall the film is not great. And the fact that it is as short as it is, is, is nice. Like, like I, it's, at least it's not a slog of like, it's not a two hour, two and a half hour documentary, man. I, uh, my answer is going to be that it should not be in the book. Oh, thank God! You're trying to and lead me up the garden path there with those, uh, with those pauses there, buddy. I know, I know. Um, and you know, and yes, and yes, that during the 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 Thin Blue Line episode, uh, there, we, I mean, we rattled off a lot of documentaries that we liked, and um, and yeah, I, there, there's actually uh, there's a few in the book that I've seen that that I I like, and that so I'm not gonna. They're not my recommend. They're not my replacements because they're already in the book, like Hoop Dreams and um, and Bowling for Columbine. But um, I, I I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about how how documentaries have changed so much um, in the last few years. Just uh, they're becoming they're becoming more like film. Uh, the narratives and just it's it's they're playing out more like a feature length film. And uh, one that came out uh, I don't know maybe five six years ago now. Um, that I think had its moment and it kind of came and went, but I, I, I think is still really interesting and at times very hard to watch, but it plays just like a thriller is, um, the cove, which is, uh, the movie about dolphin hunting off of, um, an Island. I, I, 
forget now if it's Japan or China. Um, and I'm not trying to. I just I just can't remember where it's isn't. You know. I I haven't I haven't seen it, but I believe it is Japan. Okay. Um, and and so anyways, they they talk about you know the the whole movie is set up by explaining that there is the secret cove where um because it's still legal there basically these japanese um uh fishermen will basically trap a bunch of dolphins and then and kill them and that's and they they'll take some to sell them uh for you know zoo or entertainment purposes but then most of them die it, it's 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 a mass slaughter of of dolphins and it's these group it's this it's the documentarians it's these like free divers who can hold their breath really long it's security experts and they basically plan on we're going to we're going to break in because this area is guarded pr- pretty heavily they're going to break in and they're going to set up cameras and they're going to expose just what happens um and uh it's 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 fascinating it's filmed really well and it's literally like a you don't know what's going to happen next type of documentary and in the end makes i mean it's very clear the message it's trying to say but um the it's it's also pretty pretty startling as well um and i i just feel like it's a movie that's also trying to make a point but also um it's just it's a it's just a better watch hard as it is to watch some of it it's it's a it's a better watch yeah, no, that's that's one that again, like Food Inc. It's been on my radar for a long time, and I'm just like, man, can I, can I do that to myself tonight? Can I really search deep inside my soul and go on this journey and just be utterly destroyed by the end of it? I mean, I had a hard enough time with Blackfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I wasn't so, uh, if it wasn't so recent, I I might have picked um, Honeyland, but I I need to watch it again. I need to let it kind of sit. Um, because I don't know if that's exactly the thing I would want to replace it with, but the cove that still lingers with me. And and honestly, Food Inc. is is another great choice because that movie is needs to be watched by. I think everybody needs to see that movie. Yeah, the the the, the cove and Food Inc. seem like movies that uh, have a sort of noble pursuit, whereas I think this movie Cleaners wants to have a noble pursuit, but just can't get there because there's no one to rein Varda in. And I, I must apologize if there are Varda fans out there and you feel like I have been disrespectful. It's It wasn't 100% my intent. I mean, I did come into this thing knowing that I was going to talk a fair amount of shit, but it's, I, I don't, I don't want to come across as being disrespectful. Well, and, and I think, but we've, we've also put it out there and just like with our breathless episode with Godard, you know, that's our first foray into Varda. So, you know, as, as this experiment of a podcast continues to go on and we come back to Varda, I think, you know, we'll see something else and maybe we'll be able to make a better sort of determination as to what her style is and how we feel about her, her movies. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm far more excited to see something like Vagabond or, or Cleo. I want to see, uh, I want to see one of her, her narrative features or one of her, one of her fictional features rather than a documentary because as a documentarian she doesn't she doesn't impress me and and honestly between this and breathless between this and breathless no disrespect to france as a country or a culture or a a a center of great films because you know i do love french films but if we don't come back to a french one for a while i'm i'm okay with that yeah that i'm fine too we we definitely we've hit france We'll, we'll need to hit uh, another another country soon and we uh, a couple episodes from now we will we're gonna we're gonna leave europe for a brief uh tangent um uh 
But anyways, those are that's what we think about uh, Agnes Varda and um, the Gleaners and I. However, as always, we would love to know what you think about the Gleaners and I. So please hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter and let us know your thoughts and your feelings about the movie. Um, you can find our show on Podomatic and Stitcher and Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Like, listen, subscribe, rate, review. You know, let us know how we can improve the show and what you like. Um, you can support us at uh, uh, patreon.com slash a thousand and one by one. Um, and uh, please join us next week. Um, we didn't mention at the top that this was a, a female directed film, obviously, and there's not a whole lot of female directors in the book. And we wanted to give a little um, break from just our, our male heavy book and do a little back to back female director week. So, we're going to come back next week with not only a female-directed film, but a film that also uh, dives deep into um, a different kind of disability. And uh, and then, of course, me, I'm I'm all excited because uh, this was this movie was adapted from a stage play, which was the original um, the original place where this began. Um, I always like being vague at the end, even though people will know probably not too soon after <laughs> when we do this what it's going to be. Um, but anyways, until this secret movie next week Uh, I am Adam and I am Ian and we will see you next week